All right, good evening, everyone. I am work, afternoon, morning, whenever the hell is. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Maxson, and welcome to the year that was dot, dot, dot. And we are going through 1997 currently. Um, we're right at the end of March. Uh, we're going to be going into March 31st, 1997. If you guys have not listened to the show before, basically, it's a chronological day to week, week to week discussion of the happenings of WWF and WCW at this time, uh, shows, pay-per-views, whatnot. Um, we haven't had any Clash of the Champions yet, but we'll also talk about those. Basically, if it was on television, we're going to discuss it. Not a bunch of backstory on it or anything like that. Um, just the show itself. Um, it's my... Um, one of my top favorite years of professional wrestling. If I had to be 1A, 1B, it'd be 97 and 89. And I am joined alongside my co-host for the evening, my brother Nate. Hello, buddy. As Aaron said at the beginning of the show, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yes. <laughs> um, so unless you have anything for the top of the show, we'll roll I, right into it. Oh. I do not, other than... Um, Aaron referenced this. This is one of his two top favorite years in pro wrestling, and it is also one of mine. It is literally my favorite year in pro wrestling. So it's fun to go back and talk about these shows and uh, experience it. And we're really getting, we're really, we're really, what do I want to say? We're really heating up now. Yes. You know, shit's changing. Vince is pissed and tired of losing, and he's, he's, he's figuring it out. Shouldn't say just him. Him and his his crew. They're 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 getting pissed off. They're figuring it out, and it really kind of one of my favorite one of my favorite groups and angles really cements itself here, and we're gonna get into that. Um, so we're at March third. Mar- I always say March third. Cause it's your birthday. <laughs> It's March 31st, 1997. We're going to first show we're going to discuss is Monday Night Raw. Raw is War, as it is called now. Um, It is in Peoria, Peoria, Illinois, at the Civic Center. Um, Show opens with the recap of the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels situation from last week, where Bret turned full heel. Um, And Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler, and Jim Ross hype what's coming up tonight um and what they do is they kick off the show with um the big news from last week it's gonna be owen and bulldog they're saying it's the disintegration of the team owen and bulldog going um at it one-on-one they had a tag team meltdown last week so now we're getting this they're kicking off the show um Owen comes out, Bulldog comes out, Bulldog is your reigning European champion. <clears throat> the match starts with Owen attacking Davey from the start. They do this, you know, to basically they do this because it's two heels, two heels competing with each other. And this was when wrestling actually told a story and they want to establish it in this match. Owen is the, out of these two shit bird heels, Owen's the, Healist, one of them all. He's the biggest bird. (laughs) The biggest shit bird. Because he attacks Davey. Um, 
that goes back and forth. It's actually, I shouldn't say actually, it's obviously a really good match because it's fucking Owen Hart and Davy Boy Smith. Um, Bulldog goes for a sharpshooter. Owen escapes. Bulldog suplexes Owen on, they they wound up on the outside. Uh, Bulldog suplexes Owen onto the steel ramp. Um, Bulldog accidentally bumps the official. Um, Owen brings a chair into the ring, but it, but Davey stops him. And it, it's turning into these guys just wanting to basically smash each other with chairs. It's getting heated. And then all of a sudden, the Canadian hero, Bret Hart, arrives. He's broken up by seeing his, his brothers fight. He pulls them apart. Uh, Brett blames the United States of America for all this heart drama. He says that before they came here, they were a family. They were united. Owen was his little brother. He looked out for him and everything like that. And they came to America and it just eroded the family values that the Hart family has. And he asks for a family reunion. And Owen is fantastic in this. I mean, Brett's doing a great job cutting his promos and stuff, but Owen, Owen is, is biting his bottom lip. It's quivering. Mm-hmm. So sad. And he doesn't say it on the mic. He just, just softly goes, I love you, Brett. I love you. Like he, he's, he's fantastic. here. He's doing, he's doing the cry. I mean, he's crying. Yeah. And he's got like, I just the visual I have is like his hand up on his eyes and his hair is hanging down low. So yes. kind of all you see is his eyes and then like the bottom of his chin. Yes, and he's, he's he's a he's a blubbering fool. He's acting like he's one of this forever. They're back. The, oh, go ahead. The other thing I was going to say, um, I think that also this is, and I know that it doesn't result in them breaking up. I'm sure creative was changed as Brett turned heel and stuff. Cause originally, obviously they were going to break up, but what I want to say is this is probably the second best build to, and ultimately quote unquote breakup of a tag team. The WWF ever did. My favorite is obviously the rockers. Yeah. But these guys, these guys were a different level because they, because of their personalities and the way they played off of each other. They were like destined to break up the minute they started teaming. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was always constantly like, there in the back of line. Eventually, Davey's just going to get sick of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like every week there's tension of some kind yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So anyway. Um, so Brett finally gets to his point. I don't, I don't mean it like he's rambling. It's just he's finally letting people know why he's out there, and it's because he wants his family back. He wants the family reunion, asks the boys to hug and and change change back, or like, like reunite, okay? And they do it. They all embrace, and Brett gets in the hug, and Brett gives the greatest smug look that he's that that anybody has ever given in professional wrestling yes it's fantastic i mean his character i mean his character was happy that his family i think his character was happy that his family was back together but it was also like okay i got these two guys i I, well i I work with these guys they're back with me now that's what i was gonna say he's happy that his family's back together but he's more happy that it's gonna work to his advantage yes like I've, i've got my boys back with me and 
they're going to do everything I tell them to do. And that is how that segment ends. Obviously, there's no um, winner in the match because it just ends. And I think it's one of the best segments that's ever been on television, in my opinion, in wrestling. So, unless you got anything on that. No. We'll no. move on. Okay. The next thing out of the shoot is Sonny um, in a form-fitting leather dress. And it is fantastic. <laughs> This isn't drunk hillbilly, Sonny. This is all the way live, Sonny. All the way live, Sonny. Um, but she's out, and she's going to be doing commentary uh, on the lucha matches coming up. It's El Moscow. I always fuck that name up. Versus Supernova. Um, basically, this match is just to talk about the Bret Hart Hart Foundation situation. There's a couple funny lines in it. Um, Sonny says, "Like she, she's like, oh man, that was that was fan, that was great. I was touched in the back." And I put, "Well, that's an understatement. Like that could that could be either way, like emotionally or like physically." <laughs> and who was it this time, Vader or Bart Gunn? Which one? No, no two people ever lived the gimmick better than the Undertaker and Sonny. Yeah. Like I was touched in the back. The king is he's upset. He, he's he's sniffling. He's sad. Um, Sonny speaks some Spanish. Then the El Moscico or whatever. He wins with some kind of flip splash. And Lawler's still crying. He's still like, oh, I'm so, I'm so upset. And uh, Sonny asks Lawler, what can I do to help? And he goes, I just need held. <laughs> then she holds him. He's basically using this Heart Foundation reunion to get filled up by Did you find a hot dog, Uncle Jerry? <laughs> like, I just need it, it, it. I don't do it justice in it. He's just like, oh my gosh. And she's like, what can I do to help? And he like stops for a second and he's just like, I just need held. <laughs> like, it pops in his mind right there. Like, oh. <laughs> like she's hugging him and he's, he's happy about it, obviously. Um, so there's not really a lot in that segment because, like I said, the WWF, they did nothing with their so-called lucha division. Nothing. No. They shouldn't even have done it. I understand why AAA wanted to do it. Because getting them on American television and paydays and everything like that. But they did nothing to help that promotion. Um, then Jim Ross brings out the LOD and Animal starts his promo and he kind of gets lost um, because, well, I, he doesn't get lost. Um, he's trying to compare Chicago champions to the LOD and that nobody remembers the losers. They only remember the champions like the Chicago Bulls and the people pop and he, and then he goes to try to say the Chicago Cubs, but at this time they sucked. Like they hadn't had anything, you know? Yeah. And so he's like, People remember the champs, the Chicago Bulls, the the baseball champions. That's what he says. <laughs> the baseball yeah. champ. Yeah, yeah. Like in his mind, like right before he says it, he goes, "If I say the Cubs, they're gonna boo." <laughs> yeah. Like I, you can see it pop off in his mind, and he's cutting this promo because the LOD is getting the tag team championship shot against Bulldog and Owen in your house. 
And 97 is another, another as we'll go on through. It's it, no matter when they were there, 92, 91, 97, 98, blah, blah, blah. WWF never booked these guys right. Nope. Ever. They were, they were never booked properly in the WWF. They were, they, 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 I don't want to say, I don't want to say they weren't badasses, <clears throat> but they weren't, they weren't booked as badasses. They were booked mm-hmm. as a hard hitting team or whatever, but they sold too much. They'd have like 10 minute matches on TV and sh- and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they would never, they would never, they never, other than, other than the match with the nasty boys at that SummerSlam when they won the first, their first tag title in the WWF, nothing they ever did had the payoff it should have had. Yeah. You know, they never even got their heat back on, and we'll talk about this way later, but they never even got their heat back on the outlaws. Yeah. It was just, it was just them. They were a signing, I think, of just, they Vince signed them to sign them. Yeah. And they didn't want to be in the NWA at the time. And, it just and and even after they left, like the blue, like when they went back to WCW or whatever, when Animal decided to get back in the ring, it's like the the bloom was off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like eh, you can't. It, it how do I say it? It might sound silly or wrong or whatever. It might be a a wrong analogy or if that's the right word, but it's kind of like once Hogan slammed Andre, Andre was still cool, but he wasn't Andre anymore. Yeah, you know, he lost. He lost the mystique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now he can do jobs and shit to Jake Roberts. Mm-hmm. Shit. Jim right. Duggan. Yeah. Jim Duggan. Um. So that was that promo. Um. Then the honky talk man comes out for commentary. He's still looking for a, a suitable um man to pass his legacy on to. Um, Jesse James comes out. He's singing with his special manager, 66-year-old Nathan Arnold. And I'm not making fun of Nathan Arnold. I mean, obviously, this was a make-a-wish child, and, and they sent him out there with 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 Jesse James, and he's singing, and this kid does not give a fuck. Like, like he is not into Jesse James at all. Like Jesse's trying to get him to dance and sing along, and he's just looking at him. <laughs> he wanted to. He wanted to prance to the ring with Shawn Michaels. Yeah, and he got or... Jesse James, <laughs> the real Double J. <laughs> yeah, it's like I couldn't come out with Vader, right? <laughs> you gonna just sound like Ahmed Johnson? Nope, Jesse James. And like I said, this kid gave zero fucks. He was like, I can't even die and get it. Yeah, I was going to say, worst <laughs> ev- worst wish granting ever. Yeah. It's like, you guys realize I got cancer, right? Send me out here with the road dog. Send me out here with this jabroni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this kid did not give a shit. Jesse tried, but it didn't work. Um, and in this match, Jesse James is fighting a jobber named Jerry Fox. Um, so just think about that, guys. This is Monday Night Raw. Wall's War was a jobber match. Would never happen now. But nope. It it would never happen, but it should. Um, Jesse James obviously wins this with his pump handle slam. And then Honky Tonk Man um, 
offers Jesse to be um, his new charge. Says he can make him the greatest of all time, and even gives him his his guitar. That he says is a priceless heirloom. 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 I love it. Priceless heirloom, and he gives it to him. Jesse's all like, "Oh man, I can't believe this!" And he's and he's tuning it up, and then he ends up smashing the heirloom over the head of the honky tonk man, and dances away. And they did not show Nathan Arnold because he would have had a blank, I don't give a shit look on his face. Eh, he doesn't even know who the honky tonk man is. He's not old enough to remember. I hope Nathan Arnold kicked out. But anyway, that's the end of that segment. So honky tonk man still has no charge. So unless you got anything on that, we'll move on to the next thing. Nope. It's very quick. It's just crushing Savio Vega beating Rob Bell, and I didn't catch the first guy's name, but his last name is O'Brien. Is Rob Rob Bell the guy that would wear, like, the almost up to his belly button hammer pants? No. Oh. At least at this time he wasn't. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm probably thinking of a different guy. That was Coco Beware. (laughs) I think you know the outcome of this. Crush and Savio beat Bell and O'Brien. And then we get a recap of what's gone on with Ken Shamrock so far in the WWF, which I think they're doing a, other than letting him talk, I think they're doing a decent job with Ken Shamrock. And then we kick off the war zone and they are making up for um, the, um, sorry, I'm lost here for a second. Let me check one thing. Yeah, they're making up for how the show went off the air last week. Because if you guys didn't listen, I think something went way over. I'm assuming it was Brett and Sean being Brett and Sean. And this, the Paul Bear was trying to make his point, and they cut that shit off. Because this was before they were gangbusters in the ratings, and USA would let them go 20, 30, 40 minutes. They just cut him off. So Bearer comes out, and for the first time and only time, Paul Bearer had his own entrance music. But it was Papa Shango's music. Yeah. But he comes out to Papa Shango's music. Um, they show Paul Bearer wanting Undertaker to wanting to come back and Mankind upset. And then um, Paul Bearer cuts another promo about wanting to come back and says... Um, He's bullshitting here. He's like, I turned on the Undertaker for his own good. I was in the Undertaker's way. I was preventing him from becoming a champion. So I left him so he could become one. He he could go on on his own and become his own dead man. And now he's the champ. And basically he's saying, if I would have never turned on the Undertaker, he would not be where he's at today. What he's saying. Um, and then he's talking about how mankind's an out of control lunatic and all this. Well, there's a casket at ringside too. The Undertaker enters the arena, um, locks the casket because he's assuming mankind is in it. Um, Taker says that he can't forgive the betrayal, but he might be able to for he can't forget the betrayal, but he might be able to forgive it. And then he gives Paul Bearer the belt. 
Vince is like, oh, no. And Jim Ross is like, oh, no. And Bear's holding the belt. And then all of a sudden, Mankind attacks from under the ring. They brawl. It turns. It's a big ruse. Paul Bear was setting up The Undertaker. And then Mankind throws a giant fireball in the face of The Undertaker, who goes down from the fire. And then Sid runs out to run off Paul Bear and Mankind. And it's actually a pretty good segment. Mm-hmm. And um, Sid isn't long for the world. I think around this time is when he, <laughs> there's a raw where he says he, t- he tells somebody he has a heart attack, but yeah. then he goes back to his hotel room. But anyway, yeah. um, ha- having him involved in this, I don't know if creative, if creatively they were trying to head towards Sid and Mankind. I don't well, know what he, the plan was. but Sid, They were trying to do like an Avenger thing with Sid, because if you remember, he came out and helped Sean hmm. last week. Like, he ran off Brett. I think they were trying to set him up as being like like a protector, like wanting to help his... But like, I, I don't know. They are trying to do something with him, and because um, after that, they cut up... They, after they, that, they come back and they show the fireball again, and Sid... Um, talk cuts a promo talking about how um, he respects the Undertaker and is basically putting him over as being the dead man, and he's the only guy that could handle him in the ring, like at WrestleMania 13. And the Undertaker reserve basically reserve deserves respect, not a giant fireball to the face. Right. Um, the next thing is once again Triple H versus Gold Dust. Gold, ju- gold just gold dust jump starts the match. Um, shi- shi- I can't speak. China shows up on the ramp. She's not supposed to be down at ringside. Like this is supposed to be Marlene is not at ringside. China's not at ringside. Um, but gold dust ends up going for the curtain call. China says, fuck it. Goes down the ring, kicks the shit out of gold dust. Gold dust wins via disqualification. And then, um, Triple H and Pat Patterson get into it, and Pat's kind of getting a little bit over on on Triple H. So China's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, and kicks Pat in the dick, and he goes <laughs> down. And Vince is obviously upset about that. And then Goldust saves him, and Goldust and China have a stare down. And Triple H is like, "We gotta go. Like I've been disqualified. Goldust is mad. He kicked Pat in the dick." It's a, it's a bit much. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here, babe. Let's go. <laughs> it's like it's like we have a bad night at the Applebee's and we got to get out of here. Like <laughs> uh, One too many Bahama Mamas for China. Yeah. yeah. An old man got kicked in the dick. <laughs> so that's how that ends. And that does not end, by the way. That goes on for a long more, like a lot more. Like these guys are still going to be fighting in August. Just yeah. giving everybody a heads up. <laughs> all the way to SummerSlam. And I'm over it already. <laughs> Two of the best, most talented guys in the world. And they were not together. I'm just together. saying, Nick. It, I don't know. <laughs> Doll. Yeah. Yeah. Way too long. Um, then Vince McMahon um, introduces Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve Austin comes out. He points out that he never said I quit. And Brett did. And Brett didn't bust him open. A guardrail did it. Um, Austin says that he ain't changing for nobody. 
and calls out Bret Hart. Bret Hart appears on the Titan Tron, but won't come out and fight Austin. Um, Austin, Bret Hart says, I'm finished with you. And Austin says, y'all got, y'all got to kill me to be done with me. Like I ain't going nowhere. And, and Bret Hart's just like frustrated and Steve Austin's flipping him off. That's how that ends. So it just, it's still reminding you that Brett and Steve still got some, still got some heat going. Yeah. And then we move into the main event of the ma- main event of the night. It's Bret Hart versus Rocky Maivia. So yes, at one point, Bret Hart wrestled the rock. Um, and made him look really good too. Look really good. It's for the WWF intercontinental championship. Lawler is now saying he is fully supporting Bret Hart. Bret Hart's finally realized the error of his ways, and and he loves Bret. Best guy, great guy, yeah, great guy, Bret Hart. Um, Tony Atlas is at ringside. Um, Bret Hart then get, this isn't much of a match, but Bret gets the figure four on the corner, refuses to break it. Bret is disqualified. And then post-match, Steve Austin attacks Brett, but Owen and Bulldog come out. And then, excuse me, then the LOD come out to chase them off. And Steve Austin and the Legion of Doom are in the ring. LOD's working the crowd. Steve's flipping off Brett, and that is how it goes off the air. And then I'm only going to assume that Owen and Brett and Davey come back after the cameras are off, and we get a little six man tag team action. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sure that I'm sure that went down. Yeah, Owen Owen got a stunner and Davey got a doomsday and Brett <laughs> Which is I'm assuming how that that ended. Overall, it's kind of funny because it's really it's not what do you want to say? It's not necessarily beside and I'll get to this besides the beginning. It's not necessarily an eventful edition of Raw. It's just no, kind it's of continuing a, stories. Yeah, it's but, a little holding pattern. I think but, it's, they, had, they had a lot of space in between their their pay per views. Well, no, but what I was going to say is what it it is it is a holding pattern show. But the opening segment is one of the most important segments of the year. Yeah. So you know, yeah, sure. It was kind of like you said. I like the I like that term holding pattern. A holding pattern show, but an important show nonetheless because of the opening segment. Yep. Right. We're moving into WCW Nitro from the same night, March 31st, 1997, Roanoke, West Virginia. We're showing footage of last week of DDP attacking the NWO. Tony Schiavone and Larry Sabisco check in on play-by-play. Um, the NWO arrive at the arena without Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, or Eric Bischoff. Hogan and Bischoff are at the Rodman um, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie premiere. Last week, I I think I said before it was Time Cop, but it's not. It's like double team or double kick. It's some fucking movie. (laughs) It's some straight-to-DVD bullshit. Two shit people. No, this thing was in the theaters. I remember it. I think this was Rodman at the height and for one, I never liked Dennis Rodman. I think Dennis Rodman's a piece of shit. And Jean-Claude Van Damme has never done anything good. So, yeah. anyway. Um, they're talking about how it's... It, and, and, and Scott Hall, he was on his first 
hiatus from WCW. <laughs> Call it a sabbatical. Yeah, he was on a sabbatical. Um, so the opening match is Lex Luger and the Giant versus Roadblock and Rick Fuller. And I'm going to say it. I say it every week. To me, Luger and Giant, bland as bland can be. But I can't judge them because they're over like fucking Rover with the WCW crowd. These fucking yep. people love these motherfuckers together. Um, Roadblock went. Roadblock actually went for a second rope elbow. Missed it. Um, and I'm going to say this too. Other than the great Antonio, is there a nastier wrestler than Roadblock? No, I was, I was, as you were saying, you went for a second rope elbow. What I was thinking was he's like the sloppiest looking wrestler to ever be on, on major like network television in the States. I mean, I've seen some sloppier looking indie guys, but as far as like on major television in the United States, he's a sloppy looking bastard. Fucking nasty. Um, And then Giant takes on Roadblock and Fuller on his own for a little bit. And then um, Luger or um, Giant ends up getting the choke slam on Roadblock and then the Harlem Heat attack the giant and Lex Luger. And then after that, Mean Gene interviews the Harlem Heat and they want, basically they're saying they want respect and they don't think they're getting any respect and they're going to go back to their roots of basically kicking ass to, to get that respect. So this is a very WCW segment. Yeah. Which I'm not knocking, just... Saying it is what it is. Very WCW. Um, probably not a lot to say on that, right? No, I said what I need to say about Roadblock. <laughs> um, the next match is two Japanese female performers, and I'm going to fuck up their names, so I'm not even going to try. It's uh, It's a match in the tournament to declare the Cruiserweight Women's Champion, which never happens. Which never happens. They abandoned this quick. It's a match that happened. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. The only note I have is we needed Dusty Rhodes here. To fuck up some names and moves. Yeah. And make it entertaining. It would have been fantastic on that. One of my favorite Japanese female wrestler things ever is like, it's one of the, what, he went back in 91? The Dusty? Yeah. Yeah. February of 91. And he had to commentate for a while because he couldn't work or whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. he went back to, they, they, uh, they brought him back to book and not to work. I think that was like the stipulation of it. Yeah. And yeah, cause technically he still had time left on his WWF contract because of, but because of who he was, Vince respected him. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, there's some Japanese tag team match, like a ladies match and one of the wrestlers names Miss A. He's like, I'm gonna go with Miss A. She's my man. She's she's mine. Miss A. Like it's just like the one he can pro- pronounce. <laughs> kind of gotta hear it to see it, but it's him and Jim Ross, and he's like, Miss A, she's my girl. He, he has no that. idea who she is. Yeah. He just knows he can pronounce her name. Pronounce that name. Um so that match happened. I don't, I don't mean to knock what they're saying. Like I don't mean to knock either one of these ladies, but I don't want to mess up their names. Um, the next match is Psychosis versus Viano 4. Um, they're just having a 
not a bad little lucha match, but there, this whole match happens to show the uh, um, the NWO backstage. It's Nash, Pac, Scott Norton, and Michael Wall Street discussing on whose side everybody's going to be on. And Norton's like, "I'm with the guys that are here, you guys." And Nash is like, "Good to hear that." Wall Street's like, "This is." This isn't what we signed up for. The NWO is supposed to be a family. He's on the fence, but Norton, he's going, he, he's all about Pac and Pac and Nash. So he's rolling with them. Um, Psychosis ends up winning with a flying leg drop. One, two, three. Um, anything on that? I'm sure the match was good. It was. It was a good match. The... The NWO hasn't even been a thing for a year yet, and they're already teasing breakups and factions. And and we are going to get through 1997 into the where it becomes so watered down. <laughs> I don't know. I I just you know you you watch you, when you when I was watching it in the moment. I don't want to get in the weeds, but when I was watching it in the moment. It did seem cool. It was cool. But when you go back and watch it now, after that first six, seven months, it really gets it really gets watered down and stale. Yeah. But it's well, God, Zach. Sorry. Now, I was just gonna say, I mean, it, it to me, and I I also know I know that the storyline was it was an invasion and they were gonna be their own promotion and blah blah blah. And I I get what they were thinking by adding members. So they could turn it into a roster, but it was so much better when it was smaller. Yeah, and and when it failed, when that pay per view failed, and they were like, "This isn't going to work as being a as being its own entity or whatever," they they should have killed it. Mm-hmm. Like they should have killed it and had Sting. I don't want to say jump the gun with Sting, but just jump the gun with Sting and just and kill it and move on. Because it became like, well, now the NWO won this match, so now they can be in the locker room, and they can. Yeah. Like, uh. <laughs> now they're allowed to park in the in the yeah, in the arena parking lot. Park. So now, now they have contracts. It's like, oh, uh. <laughs> so now they're just part of WCW. It's like, yeah. Whatever, whatever. Um, then Mean Gene Oakland brings out Roddy Piper, um, or not Roddy Piper, Ric Flair. Sorry, Mean Gene mentions Roddy Piper, and then Piper. Flair goes to speak on Piper, and Piper comes out unexpectedly. Um, nobody knew he was going to be there. Piper calls Flair Pinocchio and says that Ric Flair has a waterbed, and it's called the Dead Sea. <laughs> and then Flair says a line that I think is funnier. He says, thanks for driving your RV down out of them hills and coming down here and seeing us. <laughs> Like I was like, I don't know why that's so funny to me. He's like, thanks for dri- driving your RV down here, living up in the mountains in Portland or whatever. Um, and you know, you know, after the fact, they were both cutting up about the oh yeah, ribbon on each other. Um, but it's Flair and Piper, so it's insane. So you don't really know what's going on, but you like seeing it. Yeah. And here they're arguing with each other, and they don't like each other. But then Flair mentions. Uh, Mark Lewin and the Nasty Boys and how Flair put them under the table or how Piper put them under the table and Piper used to be this party animal and he wants that Piper to come back and he's getting Piper all amped up 
and then they they start dancing and then some some brunette and mom jeans shows up and she doesn't even look like a like somebody that flair would hang out with like it wasn't like some sexy broad that flair would hang out with like and i'm not saying she was an unattractive lady either but right she she looked like a like a pta lady and she's wearing like those mom you know mom jeans right like yeah mom her t-shirt tucked into her mom jeans and her high jeans yeah yeah and then they start dancing with her and now Flair and Piper are friends again. <laughs> they got brought back together off of old stories of partying and a lady in mom jeans. That's all it took. That's all it took. He didn't even need any cocaine. Nope. I mean, there probably was some, but not on camera. <laughs> um, so like I said, it was a fun little segment, but I don't, I didn't see where the resolution to the conflict was. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like they argued a little bit and then they made up. Okay. That was, that was nice, I guess. But the Pinocchio thing and the Dead Sea and the RV, that that was all fun. Um, And then, so unless you got anything on that one. No, but Piper and Piper and Flair are always fun to watch together. I mean, you, you can, you can always tell, you can always tell when two guys are friends, you know, whether they're adversarial or not adversarial, you can always tell when two guys are friends. Yes. Um, so then the next match is for the WCW world television championship. It's La Parka challenging champion, Prince Iakea, um, who has held this belt way too long. Yes. I put on, and one of my notes says like this, this reign is a lot longer than I remember it being. <laughs> Like a lot, like in my mind, I thought, oh, this guy had a nice little short reign or whatever. Nope, it's very long. Um, I couldn't figure, I couldn't pinpoint when it happened in the match, but um, Parker stiffs the guy somewhere because IAK is out of it. Like he is just kind of just wandering, like. And and this is like a bad time to be wandering. Like like, <laughs> how I want to say it. For one, Laparka is a stiff guy. He's always been known for being kind of stiff. Hell, him and his him and his cronies just got fired from MLW for being yeah. pricks. You know, mm-hmm. I and I don't think he maliciously hurt Iakea, but it's like you're knocked out. For you're not not knocked out, but you're. You're kind of loopy a you're little meandering, bit. Yeah. You're loopy a little bit. You're in there with a guy that's kind of stiff and you can't communicate to him. <laughs> you know, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like they say like Mexican, re- like, like Mexican wrestlers know like, you know, elbow or this, or that, but you can't understand. I'm fucked. I'm knocked out. <laughs> just like, huh? All right. Knock me out. Okay. okay. You know? <laughs> well, um, the match is going, and, and the reason I could tell he was knocked out for one, he's kind of stumbling around a little bit, and there was a point where he did he didn't kick out on time, and the ring bell, the and the timekeeper rang the bell, and the referee wore like waved it off, like no, it was a kick out, and like like he, it, it was just this fucker was out. Um, the Parker grabs a chair, and the rest, the referee basically told. Um, Iakea to go to the top and hit a crossbody. Like the ref just was like, okay, this is done. So 
he hits like kind of a half-ass crossbody and gets the one, two, three on Laparca. Like basically, he he crossbodied the chair into Laparca, mm-hmm. and one, two, three, get the fuck out. There wasn't like a championship celebration or anything, so. And I've said it on shows before, like, I don't think Prince Iakea was a bad wrestler. I don't think he should have been the TV champion. Like, he was he was fine on, like, WCW Saturday night. He's going to wrestle fucking Gambler or whatever. Right. He's perfect in that role, but shouldn't have been the champ. I think this thing could have been a little better than what it was if he wouldn't have got knocked the fuck out. And you know what? To be honest, retrospect, maybe, um, like you said, he wasn't... He wasn't at this time ready to be the champion, and maybe that ultimately wound up being a downfall. Maybe if they would have let him grow more, you know, before they before they gave him a push like that, maybe he would have been a more effective, you yeah. know. Until Russo got there, every time somebody probably brought him up, they were like, "Ugh, you remember him as TV champ? That was rough." Yeah, that type of thing. Um, then Mean Gene he gets on here. He's going to interview Lord Stephen Regal who's feuding with Rey Mysterio. Their feud branched out of um, Iakea and all that with the TV title. These guys wound up kind of being adversarial to it. Um, uh, He calls Rey Mysterio Dopey the Dwarf. And then he says that um, he's going to go ahead and turn Rey Mysterio, when he gets him in the ring, he's going to go ahead and turn Rey Mysterio into a vegetable. <laughs> That's basically how he says it. He's like, when I get him in the ring, I'm gonna go ahead and turn him into a vegetable. <laughs> then he goes down the ring for his match. Love Regal. Uh, yes. Um I don't can you even would you try to No, you could you couldn't do that line today. That's what I was gonna try to say is vegetable considered insensitive or whatever. I don't even think no, I, you couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't do that line today. You know, today they'd be like quadriplegic or something like that. You know, they'd they'd use the technical term for it, like or not or or not even say it. Like you're gonna you're gonna offend the coma patients. Like they don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, it makes them woke. Like I think nowadays, you <laughs> and, 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 and this wouldn't even be. This is only. 2012 what I'm going to reference but I don't even think today you could have done the stuff they did with Zack Ryder and Kane like when he was in the wheelchair and everything yeah yeah. I don't even think you could do that now because the last time somebody on TV was in a wheelchair it was Sami Zayn and it was completely a comedic thing instead of it even being serious you know like instead of like where Kane to, and, I, and I know we as the kind of people we are laughed when he you know, rolled Zack Ryder off the stage or whatever because it was humorous to us. But, you know, WWF was trying to be serious with it. Yeah. Um, the Sami Zayn thing was just, it was all like, you know, he's stuck in his wheelchair. Like, it won't roll. And somebody kicks him in the shin or something. You know, it's all this slapstick shit now. I I just, I honestly, I don't even think, you know, you you couldn't even do that, what you did 10 years ago today. Which is sad. It is. It's fucking wrestling. It's supposed to be violent, and people are supposed to be injured. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Steven Regal goes down to for his match. <laughs> he is wrestling Chris Jericho, 
and they have a very good, solid television match, which Jericho ends up getting a surprise super kick cradle combo onto Steven Regal. I know it sounds silly, but if you saw it, that's basically what it is. Um, and gets a surprise one, two, three on Regal, who snaps and ends up attacking, attacking Chris Jericho. And then for some reason, the renegade comes out like he's going to help. And he's like, nah, never mind. I don't want anything to do with this. And his buddy Joe Gomez is like, what the hell, man? Help him. And and renegade leaves. They're trying to turn renegade a heel. And nobody gives a shit. Lead balloon. And then Gomez try. Guy shot himself. That's kind of <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. Kind of funny. <laughs> That's staying in, by the way. Don't edit that out. That was <laughs> it's, it was very inadvertent, but all right, we'll leave it in. Dark humor here. Yes. I don't know what's worse that you said it or that you didn't even know you said it. And then I was like, yeah, <laughs> Hey, I think I'm the worst in that situation. <laughs> but anyway, um, Gomez tries to help, but he ends up getting beat up. And then Billy Kidman and Lenny Lane, they come out to try to help and they get beat up. I've done this a uh, couple weeks in a row where Regal's just stretching these people, losing his shit. He's tired of losing. He loses and then he just beats the shit out of everybody. And the crowd actually digs it when he starts kicking the shit out of everybody. Um, it's a good little segment. Um, then Mike Tanay and Bobby Heenan join Tony Schiavone. They recap the NWO turmoil and Piper and Flair reuniting. And then they show uh, Michael Wall Street just leaving because he's upset. And I put, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Like both factions were probably like, who even invited that guy? Like, <laughs> you're the guy that joined up with Buff. <laughs> but anyway, he leaves. He's he's out of here. I'm done with this. It's like everybody's like, all right, bye, bye. <laughs> and then the next match is for the WCW Women's Championship. It's a champion, Akira Hokuto, defending against Debbie Combs. I put, oh, there's some old stanky heat in this match because Debbie Combs is still upset about the death of her husband in Pearl Harbor. Because <laughs> she's old as fuck. Yeah, she ain't really that old. It's not a racist joke. It's an old lady joke. So <laughs> don't send me your cards and letters. <laughs> The eight of you listening, I don't care. So, um, Bobby is talking about how fantastic Debbie Combs looks. <laughs> Such a looker. He's like, look at that hair and that body. More importantly, look at that hair. Like, he's, <laughs> this is basically what he's saying. He doesn't say it in those terms. He says it even funnier than that. But he's. All about Debbie Combs' hair. And all I'm thinking is she looks like the Zoolander villain. (laughs) 
Like, why is this match happening? Like, who was like, we got to hear Akira Hokuto here tonight. Who can we get? Debbie Combs. It's like, what the fuck is happening? But anyway, this match just happens, and um, Akira Hokuto ends up getting a tiger suplex on Debbie Combs. Pins are one, two, three. And that's how that match ends. Like I said, I don't know why this match even happened. Um, then Mean Gene attempts to interview Medusa, who I got to say this, okay? I like Medusa. Same. Okay? I think she's a great manager. I think she's really good in the ring. But she was terrible on the microphone. She always terrible. Uh, Medusa is. I, I'm trying to think of how I can describe it because I agree with you. I've always, I've always, Medusa always seemed like she was just yelling at you. If that makes sense. Yeah, and when she wasn't, like she stumbled over her words a lot, and like it was different when she was with Polly, and they had the few with Polly. You know, that's Polly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's probably getting her lines and shit. But just to be out there to cut a promo on her own or whatever, it's fucking rough. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rather watch you work and not cut a lot of promos or just be the... Because she's a sexy broad, man. I don't, I don't say broad. She's a, she's a good-looking woman. Mm-hmm. It's like either... Be the technical wrestler inside the ring, or be the arm candy hanging off. Rude. I was gonna say, or be the girl in the genie costume. Yeah, hanging off rude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't don't be cutting promos. Stay, stay in your lane. You ain't you ain't Missy Hyatt. Which I think Missy Hyatt was. As she gets knocked on a lot, but I think she was she was perfect in her role when she was a bad when she was a heel. Just perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, she was she was good with like, and it was because Jr. was leading her. But she was good with Jim Ross on the Power Hour. Yeah, you know, just as his little bimbo sidekick. And I mean, that, I'm not using the word bimbo even to be derogatory. That was her character, yes, and she played it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was an unsmart Sunny, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Um, then Mike Tanay, uh, Tony and Bobby discuss the absence of Sting, and then they play a Sting video to some shitty music. WCW sucked at video packages. They, they oh, yeah. Yeah. They're terrible at it. Um, so we're staying. We don't know. Um, then there was a recap. Oh, my God. A recap of the high-voltage public enemy match from last week when Jeff Jarrett got involved with the Halliburton and Mongo was thinking he was being set up and even the announce team was like, why is he being set up? I don't like, they're like we don't understand why he thinks he's being set up. What an oaf. Yeah, what this is terrible. So then we get the amazing French Canadians versus Jeff Jarrett and Mongo. Um, the public enemy attacked Jeff Jarrett. Um, Parker hits Mongo with the case, and then the amazing French Canadians end up. Uh, Pierre ends up getting his his moonsault or whatever on uh, 
uh, Mongo for the one, two, three, and the amazing French Canadians have won their match. So basically, last week, Jarrett cost Public Enemy their match, and this week, Mongo and Jarrett, or Public Enemies cost Mongo and Jarrett. This is an ongoing multi pay per view, multi episode feud of Mongo and Jeff Jarrett versus the Public Enemy. And I want to say this is kind of in the reversal of what you said about Medusa is what I'll say about Steve McMichael for me. And you know what? God bless him. You know, he's, 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 he's dealing with a lot of shit right now and you don't like to see that for anybody, you know, and, but yeah, um, like Lou Gehrig's or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, it's really, sad. it's, it, yeah, it's, it's really sad. And, and, but what I will say about Mongo for me personally is, I'm the opposite of what you said about Medusa in that I actually enjoyed Mongo on commentary. I did too. I enjoyed Mongo as a promo. Yeah. I just never want to see him in the ring. I think that his, his role in the horseman would have been served so much better as a bodyguard type that never yeah, a, a heater. Yeah. Talking shit. Cause he's good at that. Him and Deborah were both great at that. Yeah. You know, and like I said, those first those first like six months of Nitro or whatever, when he was on commentary, he had great charisma with Bobby. And he's really he's funny, which is funny because Bobby fucking hated him. In the Did he? Yeah, Bobby. Talked See, I didn't. I didn't. I, I would never have known yeah, that because Bobby, they had their shoot interviews and he might have been working those guys or whatever. But he's like, they brought it. He's like, they brought in this fucking oaf that knew nothing about wrestling. And I had to sit there and talk to him and. And, and there was probably there was probably a wrestling heat between Bobby and Mongo that Mongo didn't deserve mm-hmm. because Mongo was probably making more money. Yeah, you know what I mean than Bobby. I and know everybody knows what everybody makes, and Bobby was probably like, "This motherfucker gonna make more money than me." And it always came off to me like he respected the business. Yeah. He was trying, and I don't know. I just I, I so I guess like I said, I don't. I didn't want to get in the weeds on him, but I just wanted that to be to be a point that I wanted to make. Just like again, like a reverse Medusa thing. If he would have just stayed a personality, I'd have never had any probably anything bad to say about it. But man, you ring the bell. And I don't want to watch Mongo McMichael fucking work. I just don't. Nope. And you know, it's nothing personal. It's just like he is. He has fast forward heat with me once he starts wrestling. Bad stuff. Then Mean Gene interviews Mongo, Jarrett, and Deborah, and I just put saying old shit. I don't need to talk about it. Uh, when, he, when he'd be like, "Let me tell you something, cupcake," <laughs> like just like shit like that. It's great. <laughs> anyway, but, but these three, it's just the other. It's the old. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's- um, it's like it's it's like Gold Dust and Hunter. Yes, WF. This is that for WCW. That for that. Um, then we get a road report from Huntsville, um, and there's apparently some sort of NASA thing in Huntsville because Lee Marshall says, and this isn't exactly how he said it, but he said NASA wanted to shoot weasel to send the space instead of monkeys. But the weasels kept pissing and shitting on themselves. <laughs> defecating. They, yeah. Urinating and defecating on themselves because they were nervous weasels. 
And Bobby's just like, whatever. <laughs> it's getting stupid at this it's point. It's stupid. I put in my like I was thinking to myself, somebody shot me into space. I don't want to piss and shit on myself too. I don't know. <laughs> Especially if I'm a fucking animal and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Did you know there's monkeys that we didn't get back? Yep. So that's insane to think about that there's just dead monkeys floating in the universe. <laughs> Like, if you die in space, does your body, like, this is stupid, never mind. I don't know, I don't know how that works. <laughs> does your body decompose? Like if, you, like, if you die at zero gravity? Yeah, like, does your shit, like, are there fully formed monkeys? <laughs> just floating around in a little capsule <laughs> in space. <laughs> Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> Because oh, I mean, if there's no if there's if there's no heat function or like climate control inside the fucking pod, I would assume that the monkey would freeze. <laughs> so there's like a freeze. There's freeze dried monkeys freeze-dried around monkeys. his face. <laughs> Can we make that the name of my show? Freeze dried space monkeys. monkeys. <laughs> I was gonna say freeze dried monkeys, but if you want to put space monkeys, that's fine. <laughs> Because I originally had down RV Roddy Piper. Oh, no, it's freeze-dried monkeys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's what came out of that. <laughs> well, anything we came up with was more entertaining. But anyway. Lee Marshall. Um, so then the next match is a rematch from last week. Chris Benoit versus Hugh Morris. If you remember, Hugh Morris ended up beating Chris Benoit. Well, Chris Benoit gets his um, win back. And then post-match, Conan, Kevin Sullivan, and Jackie attack um, Benoit. And then um, Flair comes out and helps. Well, I, I missed something in the match or in the, in the whole thing, um, Arn was out there because they were coming out and, and Sullivan was like, let me buy or whatever. And Arn let him go. Like Arn is trying to not be involved with the Chris Benoit, um, Sullivan thing for some reason. I, I don't get it. Um, but anyway, um, but they attack and then Flair comes out and he helps and he kicks Sully in the dick. And that's kind of how that and like, Oh, like woman and Conan or not woman, but Jackie and Conan are like, Oh no, our leader, he's been kicked in the dick. We got to get him out of here. So they take a powder and then there's, um, and I'm a horseman fan, but I don't want to say, so I don't want to sound like it when I say this, but it's kind of like, what I said with Mongo and Deborah and Jarrett, Horseman promo, same old shit. They're kind of all feuding with each other. And I've said it before to me, this is just Horseman by name. It's, uh, not, it's not knocking any of the people in it. So just, I'll, ask, I'll, ask, I'll ask you a question. All right. Just a quick question. At. <sighs> Maybe maybe this should have been a question for like a random questions episode of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, but it's here now. It's in my face, and I'm thinking about it. Should there have ever been any Four Horsemen faction 
after Tully and Arn left WCW in 1988. So Tully, Arn, Barry, and Flair are the last horsemen. Barry and Barry and Flair go into the you know the Hiro Matsuda thing or whatever. Flair comes back in ninety two or ninety three. I'm sorry. What was that like, Yakamoda Corporation or something? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, and that whatever that wasn't the Horsemen. The the bear, uh, are, and essentially what I'm asking you is because I don't think so. Should there ever been a Horseman reunion? Call it the Horsemen. After Tully and Arn left in '88, I'm not saying you don't have Flair and Arn together because they go like fucking, uh, you know what I mean? They go like cereal and milk. But I don't think there should have been a Horseman after '88, after that last incarnation in the late '80s. I I don't think there should have been either. I mean, it's, I don't understand why they wanted to do it. It's like uh, it's like multiplicity. Every time you clone it, it gets dumber and dumber. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I agree with that statement. I mean, there could have been a faction, but I don't think they should have been called like the Horsemen. Yeah, I and that's that's kind of what I was getting at. You know, like you could have still had Flair and Anderson and Sid be something. You know, but uh, yeah, to me. Once, once the Tully Arn Barry Flair Horseman was over, that should have been it. Yeah, I know a lot of people aren't like his biggest fan, personalized. But once Tully wasn't there, it's like, yeah, it's over. It doesn't have all its doesn't have all it. Basically, all they kept trying to do until they got to this one was like trying to find some like somebody to fill the the void of the void of Tully. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Like, even Pillman was the void of Tully. is a different type of character, but he was the little shit that nobody liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Type of thing. Um, but they, they did the, the stereotypical them arguing with it. That was the other thing I didn't like about this horseman group, was they were, like, fighting with each other. Yeah. Like, you, you never saw Arn and Tully being like, oh, you're a little asshole. I was like, we're pricks. We know we're pricks. And and, yeah. and and like with Tully, like the other horseman knew Tully was a prick, but he was their prick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, he was definitely the biggest shit heel out of the bunch. Yeah, but he was their shit heel prick. Right. <laughs> like we can call him a prick, but nobody else better call him that. And that type of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the next match was um, Diamond Dallas Page. That that. Whatever, um, versus um, Lance Ringo, 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 like Ringo, Ringo. Star, Lance Ringo. You know who Lance Ringo is? I do not. Sick boy. No. All right. Scotty Vick. Um, he comes out and um, he has a uh, spray painted copy of the. Uh, Kim Page tug rag from like 96 showing that off and DDP ends up coming out and um, <clears throat> giving Lance Ringo a quick little match diamond cutter one two three it's over and the match was what it was supposed to be at first I thought when I saw Lance Ringo I was like I think that's sick boy um, and from when Nate can attest like 
I'm more of a WCW expert than he is. Cause yeah. just is what it was. Um, when we were little kids, we used to do our little fantasy booking shit. And I was WCW. He was WWF. So I know a lot about the WCW. And I was like, that's fucking sick, boy. But I wanted to double check. So I Googled it. And I was right. And it turns out that actual Scotty Vick was um, kind of a DDP protege at the power plant. So this was DDP getting his buddy on TV, having a good little match. So I won't knock it. Um Side note, too, you remember what Scotty Vick almost had happen? No. Scotty Vick was signed in the WWF, WWE at the time for a little bit. So what do you think he was possibly going to be? Scotty Vick. Is this like... Post WCW or pre WCW? WCW. He, he he wound up in developmental. I'll give you like a couple more seconds to think about what it, what he possibly what the idea they had for him was, and they never went through with it. Oh, something to do with Katie Vick. He was going to be Katie Vick's brother. Ah, and he was going to be upset about what happened with Kane. And all that stuff, and then I never, I never knew that. And then the WWE was like, "This Katie Vick thing is bad. We need to get, (laughs) we need to get it over with." And it never, it never came to fruition for the guy. And then they released him. Katie Vick is like the last attitude angle. Yeah, and it's one of the worst ones. Yes, which shows you, you know, ultimately, ultimately, yeah, ultimately, when you went down that attitude path. There was a very definitive uh, shelf date on that shit. <laughs> like that one, the hand, and uh, Terry Runnels' miscarriage. Those are the ones where you're just like, yeah, you didn't need That's to do cring- that. Cringy. Yeah, you didn't need to do that. That was bad. Um, and Vince versus Stephanie. Yeah, that one was weird. I don't, I like, I like that. That actual pay-per-view is actually really good, but I won't watch that match. It's like, man, that's, that's rough. That's cringy. I don't like that at all. (laughs) I could see a guy, I don't have kids, you know, whatever. But I could see a guy like getting mad at his son enough that he's going to have a wrestling match with him. Right, exactly. Yes. I don't see a dad getting mad enough to fight his son. I'm going to choke my daughter with a bar. Yeah. Yeah, It's ridiculous. But anyway, maybe we'll talk about that some year. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do after 97. We still got a ways to go, though. But the main event of this show is um, the Steiner Brothers versus High Voltage. Um, The story of the match is that Rick Steiner still has some kind of inner ear issues from, like, the car accident and everything like that. They've been telling that they were, like subtly hinting to it in a couple other matches, but in this one, he's like, they're starting to talk about it. They're seeing how, how he's getting kind of disoriented and all this, that, and the other thing. Um, but the Steiners end up winning when Scott debuts the Scott, the Steiner screwdriver, 
which do you remember the Steiner screwdriver? I no, I don't. There is a reason. <laughs> it is one of the most um and I'm not saying he was unsafe with it, but it is one of the most dangerous looking moves I have ever seen in my entire life performed. Like the first if I was a professional wrestler, the first time I ever saw somebody take it, if Scotty came up to me and then said, Hey, how do you feel about doing this the Steiner screwdriver as the finish tonight? I would say, Fuck you. I'm <laughs> that. It's like he essentially picks you up for what looks like it's gonna be a vertical suplex. Okay, so he has you up and then he spins your body. And takes you straight down to the ring and hits like a pile driver. Oof. <laughs> so yeah, he's hitting you with a pile driver from the suplex position. No, thank you. Fuck that. Like, it's impressive as hell. Like, don't, like, it is impressive to mm. see. But, like, when and you see it, you're like, fuck, like, Google it or whatever. Like, get on YouTube and watch it after this. Fuck that. It's probably, uh, it's probably what you're saying is it's probably a good thing that he did it on a guy with a thick neck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's a move, <laughs> even if the guy didn't get hurt, it's a move that if you did it in the WWE now, like if you just did it in the ring, even if the guy didn't get hurt, the minute you would walk through the curtain, like they would say, that looked pretty, but don't ever do that shit. Again. Don't ever do it again. Yeah. You're never doing that again. And Side note, I know sometimes people give the WWE shit for it, and I don't, I don't agree with the pile driver, okay? Mm. There's some shit they don't let people do, and I totally agree with it. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not you're not doing, like, there's no need to do that. Prime example, chair shot to the head. Yeah, we don't need to do that anymore. We, yeah, we know too much now. Yeah. You know? Um, but, like, like, shit that they don't let people do, it's like, I totally understand it. It's like, and you know what? Honest to God, props to Chris Nowinski for that. Yeah, because Chris, Nowin- what... Chris Nowinski is the guy that 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 really dug into that CTE shit. And I mean, Chris Nowinski changed the business for the better for the boys more than anybody ever gives him credit for. Yeah, and and that's the other thing I'll say about the WWE too. Like they say, oh, WWE doesn't give a shit. It's like if they didn't give a shit, they'd say, oh, go out there and do whatever you want. Yeah. Go there, do whatever you want. That's fine. Do whatever you want. They have they have better concussion protocols than the uh, NFL does, and they also don't have. And and I understand that it was whatever, but how do I say it? And and I don't care if a guy does it or whatever. But there's a reason that you know there's not a Wheeler Yuta situation in the WWE. Yeah, no. <laughs> what ha- like how many injuries like that weren't like um freak injuries or whatever have you heard about in the WWE in the last 5 years The only stuff I can think of is is careless people Nia yeah. Jax Yeah and like you know. um um and at a time Seth Yeah Seth who, was who, who was the guy that did like the flip thing where he landed and he snapped his leg or whatever. Oh. He, where he like landed in the middle of him. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I don't remember. 
But anyway, like I'm not talking like you know, like you know, Biggie or like when Ridge Holland fucked himself up, you know. But how many things do you hear about in the AEW where this guy got a concussion or this this shit happened to this guy? Mm-hmm. Just let people go out there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Matt. Let's let you go out. And I know this happened a long time ago, but oh yeah, Matt. Let's let you go ahead and throw yourself off of a fucking scaffold when you're fucking 50 years old. It's like, no, nah. it, it's because it's because and I hate to say it, but it's because Tony Khan is essentially playing with real life action figures. Yep. <laughs> the, there has to be a point in any business where somebody says, no, the risk isn't worth it. No, you're not allowed to do that. No. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's something that that's something a lot of people that like, especially the the basement dwelling internet wrestling fans, when they criticize WWE for things. You're right. First of all, they don't get enough credit for first of all rehab stuff, um, concussion protocols, looking out for the safety of their athletes, and people don't think of the fact that AEW. Is and I've said this before, and we're not going to get in the weeds. I promise, folks. I'm sorry, I don't want to drag Aaron's show in the weeds, but AEW is going to book and spend themselves into oblivion within five years. I predict by 2027, there is no more AEW. Um, WWE will still be around. Why? Because Vince McMahon doesn't run, and and for what we can say as wrestling fans, because I say it all the time wrestling doesn't exist anymore, sports entertainment does. Vince McMahon doesn't run his company like a wrestling company. He runs his company like the NBA, the NFL, the MLB. It's a major league sports league. You know what I mean? Yes, it's sports entertainment, but they they run their company like a fucking company and not like a, I hate to quote corny, but not like an outlaw mud show. And I mean, you're right. They they don't get enough credit for the, the steps they do take to ensure people's safety and well-being. I totally agree. And like I said, I will always not, I should say always, maybe one day they'll turn around. I'll knock them all day for their fucking creative and their boring ass <laughs> program, but I won't knock them for just having the balls to be like, nope, you're not yeah. doing that. Not going to happen. But the way this show ends is not with um, the Steiner brothers beating high voltage. It's with uh, Bobby and Tony and um, um, Tanae talking about how the show transpired, but then Kevin Nash and six Pac rush the stage or the booth, whatever you want to call it and run them off. And it's actually pretty cool. I'm not going to say everything that they say, but, Nash is really showing like his mean aggression, Nash face talking about basically it's bullshit that everybody's missing this show to go hang out on Rodman's jock and his movie premiere. And, and this isn't what I came here for. This isn't what it was supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be about Hollywood premieres and, and this, that, and the other thing it was supposed to be about taking this goddamn company apart. And like, basically he's saying Hogan is, Missing, missing the point, and going away mm-hmm. from what he promised him, promised Nash it was going to be, and he's fucking pissed off, and he wants everybody to pick a side, basically. And that's how that's how the show goes off the air. And another kind of holding pattern show. Yes, 
um, this week. Um, but it did result in a cool conversation about dead monkeys in space. <laughs> so there you go. Yes. <laughs> so with that being said, I'd like to thank everybody that is listening for listening. And if you do enjoy the show, um, please give it a rating, whatever you do on whatever you're listening to. Um, also tell your friends, tell people you don't like, I don't care who you tell, but just tell people this show's out there and let's get it going. So I appreciate you guys listening. Rating all of these shows on any platform you're listening to helps the show because uh, for those of you that don't know, essentially what it does is if you give shows a rating, then the show is more likely to show up in a search when someone searches for, say, Pro Wrestling Podcast. It actually moves any of the shows that we do here at the WrestleNet Radio Podcast up on the search feature for people to be able to discover them. And like Aaron said, if you're listening to any of our shows, this one, We Can't Wrestle, Reliving the Extreme, any of the shows that we do, Tell your friends. Yes. That's, you know, word of mouth. Ask, ask, ask them. Ask them to join our groups on Facebook, you know, and join the conversation. So that being said, it's Aaron's show. I'll let him sign off for this week. Like I said, thanks for listening, guys. We'll appreciate it. Um, next week, I believe we will be discussing Spring Stampede pay-per-view spring stampede i believe is what we're going to be talking about next so looking forward to that and thanks for listening guys